hot on the heels of Christmas and while we're doing the great Christmas series, God started to impart so much into our hearts, hasn't he? He has. And this has kind of flowed on from, it's not to a Christmas series, mm. but there was a couple of stories there around, especially the wise men, that really got me excited mm. and got me thinking. And I was amazed at how the wise men followed a star but they ultimately worshipped Jesus. Yeah. And I was thinking once again, we saw it last week, how we love to follow our own band. And they, sometimes we think they're heroes. They play so amazing. Oh man, the way they, they can play. Yeah. They are so skillful. Uh, we think of YouTube videos. We think of people uh, on the internet, either Elevation, Bethel, all these. We love these guys. Yeah. But we saw that they are merely stars. They're just a yeah. God to worship, isn't they it? They are. And we, we dug out through the word that Worship really needs to be seen. And when those wise men mm. arrived, yes, it was great. They followed the stars, but then they worshipped Jesus for themselves, Wayne. That is totally correct. And what an awesome response they got from God. Because when we worship God for ourselves, He then speaks to us. They got guidance for their own lives. They say, hey, don't go back that way. So God responds to our worship. But worship needs to be seen. That's right. Worship does need to be seen. And it's not just an action. It's actually who we become. Hmm. It's got to be seen and we've got to be right. lived. Yes, don't say we? that again, Wayne. Worship is not just an action, no. is it? Worship is who we are. Mm. It's we become the worship, we clap our hands, it's demonstrated, Correct. we raise our hands, we fall down, we, we just, in awe of him, some people will lay down. Mm. So worship. it's not the song on the screen that when we're looking at, that's not the worship, it's when I become it, when I personalize it, and I, mm. it's just a God. And I say, Thank you, those words are amazing, that's just a, a hint of how we can worship further. It mm. gives us some ideas, mm. doesn't it? And they triple worship. <laughs> they do, I love that. <laughs> remember we talked about the triple cooked chips. That's right. Well, that's the one way to remember it, isn't it? Mm. They triple worship. Well, the first one I remember was Pupto, I can't forget that. Mm. And that is just falling down. And it, 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 it's like saying, you are more important than me. It's yeah. denying of my authority and saying your authority is higher than mine authority. Mm. So what you want is what you will get. I will push myself down. Mm. The second word was proskuneo. Mm, they just fell down in worship. It's this most awesome reverence towards God, mm. isn't it? And then the third one was it said they opened up their treasures. They opened up their gifts, which they gave to him. But how we dug out the word thesaurus comes from mm. the treasure. We worship from the inner treasure of the word I wealth. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yes, we've got to use some more adjectives. You can't just come and say, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you. You can almost hear God saying, for what? <laughs> <laughs> there must be something things. else inside there. There yes. has to be, yes. Worship can be seen. And wise people worship. That's right. You know, I love that story of the, the wise men. And how does it, how is it seen? It's seen, you see me worship. I do. The enemy sees me worship. Those mm -hmm. who want to mock me will see me worship. But the, the other two, you see me, I see me. Yes. And you know why I see me? Sometimes because it's the Bible says that worship is a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And sometimes my flesh just doesn't want to. I hold my arms and oh, I'm not in the mood. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I will. So mm -hmm. yes, even I it's a worship and I can see it on myself. But most importantly, God can see our worship. Yes, he can. So worship can be seen. Woohoo! Man, I'm so excited. Did you see the score yesterday? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to... Score be, of? The football. Oh, I'm okay. a Manchester United supporter. You and are? <laughs> apparently I am. 
No, I'm not. Let's be honest. No, you're not. I'm not doing a very good job. I'm not convincing you, am I, that I'm a Manchester United supporter. In fact, no. I've never actually seen a game. You know that. I'm not a football fan. But, you know, Claire, I was just thinking of worship and football and things like that. You know, football is a really good illustration of worship. Mm. Um, you know, those fans, mm. they actually start to put on clothes in yes. the colours of their team. Mm. They wear flags and mm. carry flags that are supporting their team. They put paint on their faces. They do, it? of their team. Yes. And then when they get into the stadium, they shout and scream, and especially when there's a goal scored, yes! And they're screaming and they're shouting. And if you're South African, you go, La Duma! And you take your Vevezuala, you make a big noise, and you celebrate. Hey, guys, that is an example of worship. Mm. But your thing is, if I do it, it's kind of false. It is. Because, because I'm not really a worshiper. You don't follow them. No. You don't even look at them on the television or anything. Yeah. And, you know, I saw this with the super kids when I was with them. They would come upstairs and they would dress the part. They would have the shirts on. They would have these little cards that, with all the names of yes, the players. They, yeah. they knew who, sco who scored the the goals they knew when the world cup was and who kicked that specific goal in that was the winning goal they knew so much that's the kids the adults the men are into this uh, fantasy football and they're swapping players and they're doing everything it's amazing to see how engaged they are oh. in their favorite sport but if you just put that shirt on and wave the flag it's it hollow. really is we might want to say it's a bit false worship, yeah. isn't yeah. it? The problem, guys, is I don't have an image mm. of those players. Mm. I can't visualise them. I can't see it. I didn't watch the game, so I can't, I can't re do the reruns. I can't explain. I can't discuss it mm. with you. I have no insight because I don't have an image. And it reminds me, clear of a camera. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, when you've got a dark surrounding, uh, you take your camera and you want to take a picture of something, you have to open up the shutter speed, make That's it right. a lot longer. And what it does is it allows more light in. Mm. And the more, the, the wider the uh, angle is and the aperture is and stuff, a more light comes in sure. and a better image is formed on the camera, on the memory card. Mm. And our eyes are like that as well, our they physical eyes. They definitely are because the more that our eyes focus on something, we're actually letting more light on, into our eyes we can see the image clearer and clearer and it almost creates a 3D image on, on the, the inside. inside of us. Yeah. And it makes me think, you know, we've been married about 31 years mm -hmm. and known each other a bit longer. If I close my eyes, well, I have a 3D image of you and I don't actually need to see you. Because why? I have not just glimpsed, I have gazed at you. Well, clear. You might have gazed at me 31 years. I've actually <laughs> been looking at you 32 years. And trust me, girl, I've got an image. Okay? I know. And yes, if I close my eyes, I can see you. Mm. But you know, the Bible says that Jesus is also the light of mm. the world. And when we allow his light in, initially, Claire, we could say, hallelujah. And, Are we glimpsing? It's glimpsing. It's, it's, it's not gazing. Mm. It's not really studying. But the longer we actually mm. gaze at him and the longer we actually look at him and allow the light in, mm. the more of a 3D image is formed on the inside of us. That's right. So the more we look at Jesus, you could say, the more we will worship him. When we see Jesus, we worship because we're letting That's more right. light in. We're getting more of an image on the inside and actually we become the 3D image as well. I, we get transformed. I want to say that again. We need to see mm. in order to worship.
you know how we talk about the different ways of worship, so you would say, oh, yours could have been a little bit false if you just dressed the part to worship, say, the football or to get engaged. It's false because you don't really know the football. And then there's those that are really into it and worship it. In, in John, it talks about how Jesus was coming in to Passover and he was riding on this donkey, Wayne, and mm. there was a crowd, a Passover parade, mm. if you could say, visitors that had come into Jerusalem to, and they saw him on the donkey and it suggests that they are worshipping him. But as he's coming through, there's some Greeks that say that had also come to Jerusalem to worship, but they then said to Philip when they had seen him there, can we see Jesus? They'd come to worship, but they wanted to see Jesus. They, they, mm. they wanted to take it another level to worship him. Mm. I read it in John chapter mm. 12. The crowd that had been with him when he, uh, he called Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, when they were there giving eyewitness accounts, it was because they had spread the word of this latest God sign that the crowd swelled to a welcoming parade. Mm. They had a glimpse of Jesus. Yes. Well, it seems as it's a, they're visitors, they're welcoming parade. Then they're not intentional about knowing Jesus, are they? No. But so it was a quick glimpse of Jesus, and they started to worship. Again, I want to reiterate that we need to see mm. in order to worship. But when we see Jesus, we worship Him for mm. who He is. That's right. When you think of Jesus, though, what do you visualize? Remember, we've got this 3D image in us. Mm. So close your eyes for a second and think. What do you see? Do you see him as a baby in a manger Christmas time? Or do you see him walking on the water? Mm. What do you see? Well, recently, funny enough, I saw an image of it was a shepherd, but the shepherd was actually Jesus because he had a, you could see the scar in his hand and he was holding a lamb quite tight, cuddling this lamb. And I thought, I see Jesus like that, cuddling me. Mm taking care of me, the shepherd, hugging me and holding me and taking care of me. And um, we see him in all different ways. And you know, not one way that we see him is wrong. Yeah. You might see him preaching to a crowd, uh, walking on the water, mm. going through a storm, raising the dead. Mm. Maybe you see him dying on the cross for you. Mm. There are so many different facets of Jesus. But when we see that image, it causes us to worship. I'll say it again. We need to see Jesus. We do. We worship who he is. You know, we talked about how um, the Greeks asked Philip to go and see Jesus. Well, Philip actually went to speak to a eunuch. He had been to Jerusalem to worship. But when he was coming back, he was in his chariot and Philip arrived there and he said to Philip, please show me the scriptures. And seeing the scriptures, he actually read to Philip, he said, this is the lamb slain mm. for for the world. Mm. He showed the eunuch Jesus. He preached Jesus. And when the, so he'd already been to worship, but when he saw the scriptures, he realized who Jesus was. He saw him as the lamb dying for him. He said, I want to believe. And he was baptized. So when we see Jesus, we want to worship. And it became who he was. He got baptized. It mm. resulted in him doing something. 
Claire, that's such a fantastic principle. Jesus is the Word. And the more we start to read our Bibles and mm. study the Word of God, the better the image of Jesus. Mm. We are we opening get. our eyes <laughs> and letting right. more and more light in. But you know, the person who most probably would know Jesus the best was his best friend. Mm -hmm. And the Apostle John was known to be the one who loved Jesus, and Jesus loved mm -hmm. John a lot. And they were best mates. Okay, yeah. so they spent the most time with him. Now, when uh, Jesus was on the earth, John was only uh, like at the top end of his teen years. He was mostly 18, 19, 20, somewhere around there at max. Um, and Jesus was 30, so he was a lot younger. And he almost probably remember those images in his head. Oh, I wonder yes. what John would remember. He couldn't remember Christmas or the baby in the, because he wasn't even born. Yeah. But I wonder if John remembered the transfiguration. Or maybe John remembers walking on the water. Uh, or maybe when Feeding Jesus, the 5,000, he right. would have been there. Or maybe when Jesus took John and Peter alone mm. and they went in and they raised the little girl from the dead. Yeah. I wonder if we had to stop and ask John, what does he remember? If he had to close his eyes, what does he remember about Jesus? But something interesting that I want to remind you of. Do you remember when I used to travel a lot mm -hmm. and I would come and land at the airport and I'd get my luggage and I'd come through the baggage claim area and then I'd come into the reception area of the welcome or what they rivals hall. And uh, as I came in, there were just like thousands there of was. people. <laughs> and I'm now looking for Claire. Uh, and I'm, I'm searching like this, the room, and I can't see it. It's just like there's too many people. And she could see me, though, because there's only one door, and I had to come out that door. So she could see me. I couldn't see her yet. Mm. And then I would hear her, you, Wayne, over here. <laughs> the voice. The voice. <laughs> and I would know that voice, I've, because I've got a 3D, 3D image on the inside. And I would swing around, mm -hmm. and I would be able to now locate Claire, based on the direction of her voice. Yeah. And I knew what I was looking for because I remember the image that was inside of me. Mm. So her voice was a reminder of what I was looking for and I'd swing around. Mm. Now the Apostle John, he has a vision of Jesus, but he's not 20 anymore. No, he's, he's now 80. He's on an island, isn't he? He's, he, in, he's in exile. He's being he's, put there because he was a Christian. Persecuted, that's mm. right. He is the last remaining apostle. He's an old man now, and he has a vision of Jesus. But he doesn't see Jesus instantly. He hears a voice, yeah. and he swings around to see Jesus. Mm. I wonder what, what he saw. does he see? Yes. I wonder what he sees. Well, I want to show you two verses that are found in Revelations chapter 1, verse 2. John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. He saw something, clear. Now he's going, he, he sees uh, in that, the next couple of verses, he describes what he sees. Mm -hmm. But I want to bypass it. I'll come back to it in a second. I want to have a look at the end. What was his response to what he saw? Let's read verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. There it is. John sees Jesus and immediately worships. Mm. He falls down and worships. When we see Jesus, we then worship. Mm. That same word which we've used before, pipto, what the wise men did when they fell down and worshipped. It's the same word with exactly. their response to seeing Jesus is falling down in worship. That's exactly right, Claire. They fell down and worshipped. He saw what did he see? Mm. Did, he, did he look back and remember what he saw 
uh, when Jesus was alive and walking on the earth, what was it that he saw? I want to have us take a, a little while now and just have a look at exactly the picture that John gives us. And John gives us a whole lot of verses, about five or six verses, where he explains and he describes Jesus in a lot of detail. So let's go and have a look at verse 12 and 13. When I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. And walking among the lampstands, I saw someone like a son of man. Jesus is standing there. John swings around. He sees him. He sees the picture. Now, I've got an image that I'd like to put up on the screen. Now, please forgive me. There is no picture in the world that can adequately describe or show what Jesus no. looked like. We just don't know. But this artist has got an idea of what Jesus may have looked mm -hmm. like in this vision. So you can see it on the screen now. He turns and he sees Jesus walking amongst these golden lampstands. Mm -hmm. Now, I just want to take it phrase by phrase. First of all, the seven golden lampstands, Jesus actually describes his own words. Jesus tells us in verse 20 what they are. And he says that those seven golden lampstands are the seven churches. Now, Jesus is going to write a letter to each one of those churches. And those letters are letters of encouragement, but also of discipline. He's mm. about to correct the church as well. And there's some things that he doesn't like. In fact, sometimes he uses the word hate. I hate that in this church and I love this in the church. So he wants to bring correction and discipline to the church, but love as well. Mm. So he's looking at these churches and he's walking amongst those seven churches. Mm. Those churches, by the way, are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyresa, Sardis, Philadelphia and what I love about that, Wayne, is I see Jesus and he say, you know what, they're not perfect and I want to help them right. become perfect or move towards the way I'd like to see them. But he doesn't stay away. It mm. says he walks amongst them. And I feel challenged when we come together in our churches. Do we see Jesus walking amongst us mm. or is it just we need to get going and get the service done? He's, he's walking among us and he's guiding us and showing us the way mm. to go. Even now in your living room or your mm. dressing room, wherever you are, he is there. Yes. Can we just be aware of his presence? But I'm sinful. And that what you're just saying there is he's not looking at you. So he's going to correct it, yes. but he still identifies with you. But clear, it's more than that. Those words, it says seven golden lampstands. Mm. The word golden there is highly refined uh, gold. It's been through a refining process. It's extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. First, they boil up the and melt down the gold ore, uh, and then they skim off the top mm -hmm. and, and they do it over and over. So this is precious. And by God showing or Jesus showing John that they are golden lampstands, he's saying the churches are precious to me. The people inside, because you are the church, you are, you are precious. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's in you and he wants to live in you and walk inside of you and he'll nudge you here and there and bring you to the place of perfection. Well, Claire, read that verse again for us. And I want to focus on the last phrase in that verse. Read it again for us. When I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. And walking among the lampstands, I saw someone like a son of man. Like the son of man. Mm. Remember that Jesus' name early in the Bible, in the Gospels, that his title was the Son of Man. Mm -hmm. um, and it would be a capital, just like what we have in English. When I call a uh, proper noun, is always 
got a capital letter, doesn't it? Mm. And in the Greek language, at the, the same type of thing. It's called a defined article that is put before the name. But in this case here, it doesn't put the defined article in front of the Son of Man. So it's not referring to the name of Jesus. It, John is seeing somebody in the image of a man, in the shape of a man, mm. somebody that resembles, is similar to a man. This could be because, you know, you said uh, John recognized Jesus' voice. That's right. He he wouldn't want. He wouldn't have known what Jesus would look like in heaven. So is Jesus giving him a glimpse of what he looked at, like humanly, if you could say? That is totally correct. John would have seen Jesus with brown eyes, but now all of a sudden his eyes are like fire. Mm -hmm. He would have seen him wearing his old tunic mm -hmm. that he would have had in those Bible early days. Now he looks a little bit different. So initially John's not, what is this? He wanted him to recognize him. He's glory all around. He wants us mm -hmm. to recognize him. He's not trying to hide himself from us. No. Jesus is revealing himself to us he, and saying, I am the man. He wants us to see him. He really does, doesn't he? He does want us. But he goes one step further. He starts showing him more of himself, correct, doesn't he? Correct, correct. And this is where it really gets it's interesting. Have a look at that verse, the next verse, verse 13. And walking among the lampstands, I saw someone like the Son of Man wearing a full length robe with a golden band around his chest. Mm. A full length robe right down to the ankles because a little later you see, you can see Jesus' feet. Mm. Immediately, John recognizes that image. Mm. You see, Claire, that was the image of the high priest. Virtually everyone in Bible days used to wear these tunics, these robes mm. that would hang down, but they would wear a belt mm. around their tummy, around their waist. And then when they needed to do the housework or <laughs> work in the garden or do some planing of wood or whatever their job was or fishing or whatever it was, they would tuck in the tunic into that belt around mm. their waist. And so they could run, they could move freely. But these two, there are two individuals in the Bible where they didn't, they didn't have a belt around their waist. Okay. And they allowed the robe to move freely, to show off a little bit more class and a little bit uh, of different attributes, which mm. we'll talk about. And the first person that we need to discuss was the high priest. So John sees this in Exodus chapter 28. It actually defines what that high priest looked like. Uh, he, that robe that he had was finely made linen, uh, skillfully embroidered with gold and blue and purple and scarlet thread, and was made of two pieces joined at the shoulders. And uh, there was a chest plate, wasn't there, mm. with gems. I find it so interesting that Jesus first shows him him as a high priest, that he he's the one that he wants him to see first that he was the one that went to make an atonement for everybody's sin. And his clothing is what he's showing him first. He's saying, this is who I am. I am your high priest. And those gems that he had across the top, the, the high priest represented the tribes of Israel. There was 12 of them and they were, they were precious, but was John looking at that and for us as well, when we look at it, we see uh, the family of God. Mm. He carries the family of God, the generations across mm. his chest. He, he atoned for all of those generations. Well, let, us, let me remind you what Claire's talking about with the atonement. Mm. One of the duties of the high priest was to uh, perform the service on atonement day. Mm. And what he would do is he'd get a perfect spotless lamb and he'd go to, in the tabernacle to a brazen brass altar mm. 
and sacrifice that lamb and he would capture the blood. Then he would go across um, to the brazen and the brass laver of water and wash and purify himself. Mm. He would then anoint himself with oil and then he would enter into the Holy of Holies and he would go and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, Mm. which is the throne of God. Mm. And he would make atonement for the sins of the people and for himself. Mm. And he had to do that every single year because the blood would only cover their sins. It didn't wash them away completely. So now what John is seeing is that Jesus is that That, high priest. That's right. And he, we, as we know, he died on the cross. John was experienced his death on the cross. He was there. And then he knows that he took his very own blood and put it on the mercy seat for us. He is our high priest. He's, he right. can wear a white robe, our Jesus, mm. because he's so pure, but he's also the sacrifice. He's, he's <laughs> the sacrifice because he was the lamb in the very beginning. That's right, he was. But he's also the blood that covers and not just covers, but eliminates our sin. And forever. because he's raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, his blood remains alive mm. forever. Uh, in fact, Paul writing to Timothy says these words, for there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, and that is Jesus Christ. Mm. The very first thing that Jesus reveals to John in his vision is that one of a high priest. priest. Oh, what a Jesus we serve. Can you see yes. him as your high priest? You see, people who see Jesus worship. Mm. Do we see him as the one going and saying, I take on your sin so you can be free. And that's how I worship. Mm. I'm not going to worship him because he's my high priest. I say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. I see that. Thank you for washing away my sin. And you're always there. And and you're not here to condemn me. You're here to forgive me. And you've taken away my shame. And you've taken away my guilt. Mm. And it's not an old-fashioned way where it's just a once a year. This is forever. Eternal forgiveness for us. He's done it for forever. When we see Jesus, Mm. we worship him Mm. for who? He is. Mm. I want to read Revelation 1.13 again. And walking among the lampstands, I saw someone like the Son of Man wearing a full length robe with a golden band around his chest. Mm. Jesus shows John a little bit more. What's the golden band? What does that (laughs) kind of mean? Well, I said to you, there's only two people that would actually wear a long flowing robe. The Mm. first was a high priest, but the second one was a king. Right. A king would show off his dignity. Come on, you must have read all the stories about the princesses and the, the princes when they go to their balls. They have these long flowing gowns and they come down the staircase mm. before the, uh, the clock strikes 12. And they look all beautiful. And it's, it's all about the majesty, the regalty, the, the majesty and the awe and the, mm. the dignity that they show. But you see, a lesser king would wear a band around the chest like this. And he might have engraved or uh, sewn it and woven in with mm. gold thread or something Enjoyed like that. Embroidered in. Mm. But Jesus shows that he is the king of all kings. This is a solid uh, gold gold belt that goes around his chest here. And it's it's, on the earth, Claire, his whole ministry was that of the lamb and sacrifice. Mm. But now that he's gone up to heaven, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's been enthroned, crowned as the king of kings. Now John sees him as the king. He he shows him in all his uh, royalty, all his dignity, all amazing attributes of almighty God, the king of kings, 
He the king of the kingdom. all authority and the gold is so precious and it's, That's right. it's a strength, it's strong. And, you know, when you think some of the prophets, they also wore, they wore leather belts around theirs. But leather has this where it, it degrades and mm. breaks down where this gold band just never does. And thinking of the gold around his chest, why not around his waist? It made me think back to when we were talking about him being the bridegroom mm. and we are the bride. When we get engaged or married, what do we do? We get oh, a yes. ring. ring, gold ring. I got one. I got a gold mm. ring there. And could this gold be around his chest mm. as a oh, sign a of commitment mm. to us? He is our king and he's committed to be faithful towards us, committed to be there for us. He's the mm. most high God. It's around his heart, isn't it's it? Oh, that's so romantic. Heart. I love that. So yes, the, the ring symbolizing eternal love, isn't mm. it? Going around and it's his heart. It's precious to him that's as well. Right. And he's committed to, as a king, to not just be there all very high and mm. lofty, which we know he is and to be revered, but he's a high king that intercedes for us. He, he loves us so much that he wants to serve us in that way as well, Wayne. Mm. And one of the things that I was thinking about as well is, you know, in, in the Eastern tradition, when they wore these belts and some people still wear them today, where they wear a belt around their waist and they put their money in, they put what's precious in there. Mm. He has us underneath his, in his heart, underneath mm. this, band. He has us precious mm. in his heart. We are his treasure. Mm. But he holds, if they kept their money and their possessions in those little sacks, he also carries wealth behind that band as well. Everything that we need, everything that we need from Jesus is there. He wants to provide for us. It comes from his heart of provision for us. It does. When I see Jesus now as my king, I worship him for who he is. So I begin to say, Jesus, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are El Elyon, the most high God. There's no one else higher than you. Yes, all authority. All authority power. is yours. You, you, you rule over all the kings and the rulers of this world. You reign over the devil. He can't touch me because you are so great and you're so magnificent. And I worship you. I bow before his you. His faithfulness is like without mm. end towards us and great. his love and his commitment and towards us. And his Lord us. of Lords. So you are Lord of my life. So yes. I surrender to you. I bow before you and I worship mm. you. All hail King Jesus. Mm. Majesty. We sing those songs Amen. and we just mean those words from our hearts from a thesaurus now because we can see who he is. So when we see him as the high priest, when we see him as the king, then we're like John, we popped up. <laughs> we right. can't help but fall down and worship yeah. him for who he is, not for anything that he ever did. It's just because of who he is. We just want to worship. I want to read one last scripture, Hebrews chapter 2. Follow these verses with me. But we see Jesus. We see him who as a man has now been crowned with glorious honor because of what he suffered in his death. For it was by God's grace that he experienced death's bitterness on behalf of everyone. He made us his brothers and sisters and become our merciful and faithful king priest king and priest before God as the one who removed our sins to make us one with him. He suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. 
He is the king priest. In Revelations chapter 1 and verse 2, John sees Jesus. And then in verse 17, he drops to his knees and he worships. And in verse 5 is like a summary of everything we've discussed. Verse 5 sums it all up. It says this, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus died and rose again from us, for us. He shed his blood for us, but he's now the ruling king. Amen. He's the priest and he's the king. That is why we worship him. Come on guys, right there in your living room. You can't be silent. We're going to play some worship music now and join in. It's only a guide. You have to put it on. You've got to get involved with the worship. Let's raise up our hands and our lips and our voices and praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Lord God, we want to say thank you. You sent Jesus. Jesus, you died for me. I'm free. I'm so free. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you so much.